Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, it's a critic, a girl, and a pop culture guru, and no bear attacks. It's Sif Pop. <laughs> Welcome. You didn't cough this time. I, I almost did. It maybe, almost maybe happened. Maybe your throat's finally starting to get used to... <laughs> Could be. The whole announcer voice thing. No, it'll never happen. Welcome to Sif Pop. I'm Aaron. Danae's here too. Hello. Uh, we're streaming live on Mixler every Friday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Just search for Sift Pop. Unless, of course, you're a patron, patrons get those perks. Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Today's guru is from Jogwheel. This is John Paula. What's up, John? Whoop. Hello, good afternoon, Aaron and Danae. Nice to be with you guys. And I, I appreciate the the warm uh, from Jogwheel. It's it's really just it's a one man crew. I am Jogwheel. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, we had a team and we had a lot of different things. These days, mostly just me. So, do you go by Jogwheel? But then? it makes it, it makes it it makes it seem official. Actually, Jogwheel was sort of a a, back, a backronym from my own initials. I wanted the company in my own name to be the same. I wanted JP in both. Ah. So Jogwheel Productions, John Paula, it's the same thing. Whoa. That's the secret of how I named my company. Well, it's, we a great, it's a great name because we don't think of Jogwheels a lot. And, you know, when you're thinking of like movies and, you know, TV and any kind of film or video, that little knob that you turn to, you know, go forward or backwards is is just not right. something we have a lot of experience with now, but it, it's certainly pertinent to what you do. Wait, that's called a Jogwheel? Well, that was, that I call was sort it of the other idea was... <laughs> Well, yeah, like a control knob, a play thing, or a, a shuttle wheel. Um, <laughs> but the idea was I produce both audio and video content, and a jog wheel is sort of the one tool that I sort of learned both platforms with when I was getting into media when I was a puny little acne-faced teen way back when. When you were so a wee lass. I mean, lad. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, that was that was a long time. That was back in like 1999 when I started this career of so long ago. media nonsense and film lovery. It feels like that was a different so millennium. I'm excited to talk about it some more. Media it, nonsense. It was. It was a whole century ago. <laughs> and film lover, lovery. Speaking of which, um, lovery. I don't know if that's a word. Anyway, happy new year. Hey, happy yeah. new year. You too. We uh, we are having a great new year. Hope you are as well. Um, we usually like to yes. st- start with story time. I mean, Danae, you got anything going on in your life that you want to chat about? Um, anything this new year has brought you? This new year has brought me... Uh, a lot of excitement. There's a lot of really fun things we're doing in the studio. Mm-hmm. A lot of really great conversations that we're having with uh, different people that are passionate about what we do. So it seems like we've got some fun stuff brewing, and I can't wait to talk about it whenever it's the right time. Yeah, you know. But uh, the studio is getting bigger, and here's the question. Here's a question I have. I'll ask. I'll ask both of you. Danae, you go first. Uh, are your Christmas decorations still up? No. You got them down. We got them down. All right. Nicely done. What about you, John? Yes, I am unashamed to admit they are up, and for two very important reasons. One, um, as I think we may have mentioned last time I hosted, co-hosted in November, um, I just moved to a new place, so we don't have like any decorations up, but we made sure to put the Christmas tree and some stockings up. So if we take those down, we have basically nothing in their place ready to go because they're still in boxes. And two, I really like the way the Christmas tree looks, and we routinely have it up well into February because it's it's a I, I why is it inappropriate? to have a Christmas tree up all year round. I think, especially because mine's a fake one, so it's not like it's 
going to be like a fire hazard or it's going to stink and die. Right. It's, it's fake. It's plastic. But it looks really nice in the corner of my living room over by the, the window. And it's like, I just want to leave it there all year round. It's great, especially in the winter anyway. When we get leaves back on the trees outside, then my indoor tree can leave. Right. But right now, I I like it. It's basically if like any, you've, If there's not any... You've just adopted yeah. a tree from the outside and you've put it in your house. That's what you've That's, done. During... During the harsh, long New Hampshire yeah. winter, that's exactly what I've done. <laughs> well, I promise I will not judge you, John. I will I will allow your, your right. tree for whenever you want to have it in your home. I think it's a wonderful idea. Well, we're going to have a great show uh, today. Uh, uh, you have to answer, too. Are your Christmas no, that's decorations? No, privi- that's the privilege of asking the question is that you don't have to answer it. <laughs> Uh, Alex Trebek never has to go into his private life. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Alex Trebek doesn't answer everything with a who, what, why, where, or when. Um, So, yeah. Every episode, he goes around and asks the contestants a dumb little question about their (laughs) private life. I never heard anything about his. That's right. What's what's, what's one weird fact from his college days? We'll never know. (laughs) Uh, I, indeed, do have my Christmas decorations still up. And it is not for some profound and wonderful reason like John. It is just that we have It's just lazy. It's just laziness. Pure laziness. Yeah, no, that's... We uh, Also an acceptable answer. Thank you. I appreciate the lack of judgment either way. We've got an exciting show. We're going to chat about the brand new Leonardo DiCaprio movie Revenant that just came out. Uh, John and I have seen it. Danae chose not to. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, and then we're going to go into our some of our favorite pop culture things from the year 2015. We haven't kind of done a, a best of here on the podcast, so we'll chat that a little bit. And then, of course, we'll go into our buried treasure at the end. We're going to start with uh, checking out The Revenant. And usually I would play like a clip from the trailer or maybe a clip from the movie. But all of the promotional material I could find was just like whooshing action sounds. <laughs> there was like no dialogue. And, so, and Leonardo DiCaprio breathing heavily. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, you know, as far as, you know, finding something with dialogue wasn't going to happen. So we'll just go straight into the conversation. Let's start it off by, Danae, talking a little bit about you not seeing this movie. I know you wanted to kind of chat a little bit about that. Yeah, I like I like to have the option of not seeing movies And sometimes I just don't want to see a movie because I'm like, I'm just not in the mood. Right. You know, and then that would mean I would not see 99% of the movies we talk about. (laughs) But sometimes there are ones that I just, I think they're a little too intense for me. Like a little bit too real. I don't like war movies and I don't don't like survival movies a lot where it's just super, super intense and like Mm -hmm. gut wrenching. Um, I like to avoid emotion, so this is one that looks really <laughs> emotional, you know. Um, and then, like another one, for example, from the from a long time ago, is Pan's Labyrinth. Like I thought I would love that movie, and then I started doing research, and I'm like, oh, this one doesn't seem like maybe it's what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know that I want to take this one home with me. Like mm-hmm. so, I in this case, I talked to a couple people. I, Aaron, I talked to you yeah. after you saw it, and um, I think your suggestion was if I went with somebody that had seen it and could kind of tell me, all right this is a good time to check out, you know, maybe. The problem is that would be every, you know, 10 minutes in this movie. I mean, it it is one of the, you know, all the things you're talking about, things that that stick with you and you don't like, you were defining this movie. (laughs) I mean, it it really is. It's a war, you know, it's a war movie, uh, the war with the the fur traders and Native Americans in this case. Uh, There's, you know, violence, it's intense, it's survival. It's Mm -hmm. at, at its definition, it's a survival movie and a revenge movie. 
which is also something that I, I know I, can I tweak you. I have a hard so, time with revenge too. Yeah. So it, all that plus there's you know there's animal violence as well in this, which I know is another trigger also for you. Also difficult for me. So I yeah I, I understand the decision not to see it, but what that allows for us, and this is something I've always said on this podcast is many times the three of us who partake in these conversations, one of us will not have seen what we're talking about. I think that's valuable. I think there's insight there into what you might want to know not having seen it. I think there's, you know, the ability to, uh, you know, look at it from the outside and have some conversation in that way. So, I, you know, I think I think my um, go ahead. I I learned in my screenwriting class way back when that the character of Danae would be called the Sprechund. The character in the scene that needs something explained to them, and we would be the people offering the exposition. Ah. And every scene in every good movie needs that one sort of the the character that is sort of um, obtuse to the outside, whatever narrative, and they need to ex- have it explained to them. When in most general narratives, like everyone in the scene would know what's going on, but the audience doesn't. So they need sort of a patsy to explain the plot to the audience through a character. And in this case. Uh, it's Danae, so Danae's. I'm looking forward to explaining the, things today. I'm the Spreckelin. <laughs> no, not Spreckelin. The Spreckelin. Spreckelin. I'm a Spreckelin. <laughs> Guys. My, I, I think it is worth noting that my teacher was from the Netherlands, so it might be a regional term, but that's how I learned it. Uh, in German, somebody in our live chat just said, in German, Sprechen means do you speak, which I wondered about that because Sprechen die Deutsch, you know, means, you know, oh. do you speak German? Oh, so I wondered if that if that's re, you know relation the one who speaks or the one who you know tells maybe I don't know like I, that. he could have been pulling our chain but that's that's how I learned it way back when <laughs> I know there's another me. westernized term for it too yeah it's called yeah, the, right? the talker <laughs> 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 something like that well let's talk about the revenant and first John let's you and I say whether we liked it loved it uh, it was okay didn't like it or hated it what did you think just in general second best movie of the year I loved it. Wow. Ooh, second best. Uh-huh. Well, that's really interesting because exact same for me. My really? number two movie of the year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Interesting. In, in fact, another critic friend of mine. I th- I just, you, the I way you said that, I was like, that. wait, did you? I was really I was really concerned because for a minute you were like, wow, like, really, John? I was like, wait, you didn't like it? <laughs> no. I was really, I was like, I, I've, we've, we've talked movies a lot on the show so far, you and I, Aaron, and I, I was like, I'm pretty sure Aaron would love this movie. Like, I, he's not gonna. I mean, but in, the way you said it, I'm like, did he not like it? <laughs> in fairness, I've I only, thought I had a totally wrong beat. In fairness, I've only seen two movies in 2016 so far, but. No, I'm just kidding. No, my favorite, my second favorite movie of uh, 2015. Uh, and I just had another critic friend. I saw a tweet just yesterday that it was their second favorite movie of the year. So it seems to be commonly, oh, I like something else better. But this was, this was, you know, right up there. So, so what, it was, top. What it makes was really, it, really solid. Yeah. What makes it go to that level? Like, is it the whole it's entire? It's an experience. Yeah. It's like a breathless experience. I felt like I was abandoned in the woods of British Columbia alongside Leonardo DiCaprio for three hours. Like it is like you, you leave the, the experience of the movie, you leave the theater like, wow, what did I just sit through? I can't like, you kind of need to catch your breath. Like something was taken from me. It's very, very intense it in is. a good way. That's, that's the key word, right? The key word I think is intensity. It's one of those movies that grabs you by the yeah. lapels, so to speak, and just does not let you go for the entirety of the film. A lot of that has to do... Thrashes you around on yeah. the ground, slashes yes. at your back, slashes, flips you over and slashes at your face. It's It is a bear attack. <laughs> yeah, it is a bear attack of a movie. And I, I think for me, that's what it comes down to. When a movie like, like this can do that, 
and also it's not just compelling you know in a train wreck kind of way it's compelling in a story kind of way as well you're always engaged yeah. in what the next step in his resolution of this survival journey he's on is and obviously we're not going to give away any spoilers here in the podcast we'll do a secondary podcast a spoiler special uh, that you can also tune into if you subscribe to sift pop uh, where we'll go a little more into detail um other than to say those obvious things that you've probably heard about like the bear attack and the you know the native americans attacking they are scenes that are possibly some of the most mind-blowing action adventure survival scenes i've ever seen on film they're just that realistic yeah, no, the, that the, incredible the the i don't i don't know if we want to jump right into it but the the central bear attack which is sort of the catalyst for the entire plot that gets sort of leonardo abandoned in the woods, and then from there, that's sort of when the plot begins in earnest. That scene is a single, well, it, it probably is most likely edited to resemble one, but it's a single, unbroken five and a half minute shot where Leonardo DiCaprio is attacked and mauled and basically pushed to the brink of death from a giant grizzly bear. And the way it's shot, and it's just sort of this unflinching, um, realistic, and brutally violent sequence that is. In one respect, like, really, really difficult to watch, but also impossible to look away from. And like you said, Aaron, I think it's it's one of the strongest and most powerful, like, single scenes I've ever seen in any movie. And, like, I was immediately hooked. when that After that, I was like, wow, I got to take, like, a breath, and I need to take a break, because this movie is, wow. Yeah. Um, and there are several scenes. That, that was my thoughts on it. And there are several scenes. There are a lot of like that, but that. Yeah, they the do yeah. kind of the same thing. And I, I think from, you know, the beginning to the end, um, and I may mispronounce this director's name, Alejandro Inaratu, I think is is his name. Um, he also did, no, that's it. He did Birdman as well, which is a completely yeah. different film, except for he does this really smart thing. It's even more evident in Birdman because pretty much the whole movie is like this, where he does these long takes because subconsciously it puts you in a more real state of mind because in real life you don't have cuts you just see what you see yeah. and so even if you're not aware that that's what he's doing subconsciously it feels more real because you're not cutting away yeah absolutely and and i loved i think the movie opens almost with like back-to-back shots that are each like five minutes long. I think by the time the grizzly bear shows up a half an hour into the film, the movie's really only cut like six times. And it sort of has that Birdman feel without being sort of constrained by that technique for the entire film. Mm -hmm. So uh, Inaratu sort of allows himself to take cuts when the narrative calls for it. But in those longer action sequences, there's this big attack at the very beginning of the film, the natives attacking the fur traders, and it's this excellent sequence where, where the fur traders, who I think we're supposed to sort of sympathize with, but the movie does a good job of balancing both sides of the bad guys and good guys. They're running through the trees, shooting their muskets and rifles and trying to escape this attack. And the camera is just sort of like following them along at eye level or lower without cutting. And it does give you that very sort of lived in experience. Like we're on the ground. We're, we're in boots inside this battle along next to these guys. I was, and because it doesn't cut, like we see the whole thing from 360 degrees. It's it's a great way to shoot a movie. I was Probably reading, very complicated and expensive though. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually one of the things I was reading about um, as I was doing a little bit of like research into it is that they put a lot into the craft, like the production film. 
they actually filmed over nine months in the Canadian wilderness. That was so it's not like a yeah. set, you know, so maybe that's part of why it mm-hmm. it is real because you they're actually in that environment. So they didn't have to, like, you know, reproduce anything. Um, and of course, there was all kinds of delays in their production because of because of that. And other people that were like involved in the project couldn't get involved in the projects that were supposed to be coming next because, you know, they were involved in, in this movie. I also read something interesting, too. That brings it to another level of realness, which is that the movie is based on a book, which is based on a real guy who really was. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how much of that I believe, but right. reportedly it's based on a real event, which is sort of, it's very hard to believe because it's such an, uh, an incredible and astonishing story of survival. It's like, how could anyone, like I was having a hard time believing a movie character could do this, let alone a real guy <laughs> yeah. 200 years ago. Right. Like I, I get Leonardo DiCaprio is a, you know, he's a, a movie legend and he, he can almost survive the sinking of the Titanic. He could probably survive this. But the actual Hugh Glass, the fur trader from the 1800s that, that sort of went through the same ordeal, it's like how I don't believe it. Like this is insane. Well, I, I did do a little bit of research uh, on this after the movie because I too felt like this was – crazy that somebody actually that this was a true story and first of all because it was 200 years ago we're dealing with more legend than truth like you know there wasn't the yeah. same kind of uh you know source checking <laughs> that happened back then yeah. as as happens now so a lot of the stories we hear from that era have legend imbued in them and so there's no telling sort of how Paul much Bunyan's side of things yeah there's no telling how much of that there is in in the story i will also say there are some key elements that I won't say here because of spoilers, and, and we'll get into it in the spoiler cast. Uh, there are key elements of the story that are completely made up. They aren't even in the legends. Like, they aren't even in the, you know, the story as it's been passed on about Hugh Glass. Uh, very key elements of the, the story plot and the plot points. So um, they took a lot of liberty with, and it's really just kind of based on this human being that by all accounts did actually exist and did have some sort right. of, you know, attack and survived it in some way. So, um so yeah, I don't I don't know that there's a lot of veracity beyond that, but man, does it make a great a great movie and a, a great story to watch on the screen. What were some of your other favorite things uh, about the movie other than the intensity? Uh, well, okay, so the intensity is I think second to none. It's one of the most intense experiences ever. I think there was a sequence similar in uh, Interstellar the year prior, which was my favorite movie of 2014. That was sort of like so edge of your seat, I was on the floor kind of. Um, so intensity is one. Uh, I think the cinematography was beautiful. And as someone pointed out in the chat room, all done with natural lighting, which is, I think, incredible mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. went up to British Columbia in the heart of winter when there's overcast every day of the year and still made the film look that gorgeous because it is beautiful. Like, it is phenomenal how great they made this look. Yeah. Um, and then third, I think, um, I mean, the story is is interesting and it propels the narrative, but it's not like like this fantastic, it's just, you know, a revenge story. So it's pretty simple. And I like that because it allowed them to get deeper into everything else. If they had a really complicated story with intermixing characters, kind of like the head and Birdman, it would have been a little harder to have the performances and the action shine through. And the performances here were unbelievable. I, I think this may actually finally be the year that Leo wins the Oscar. I, and I, I would think be pretty a, upset if he didn't. I don't think there's a maybe about it. I, I, I think he's he's locked in for best actor this year. I, I cannot see somebody else uh, coming you know, ahead of him to beat him after the response that he's gotten for this movie. I'm actually surprised 
that Tom Hardy isn't a lock for best supporting actor because his performance in this. No, I was going to say he he is equally fantastic. Like the two of them together, and especially in the few scenes they share, like unreal. Like how in character they get. There is like a hatred between between their eyes, and it's there's a very real relationship between these two men, and they make you really feel it. Um, so I I am so excited for the Oscar nominations. I think come out next week. I don't know who else is in the sort of running for some of these categories. I'm guessing half the cast of Spotlight is probably going to get a nomination, but I feel like right now my front runners is going to be Leo and Tom. Like they did so good in this. Yeah, they are phenomenal. Um, Spotlight uh, wanted all their actors to be nominated for supporting. So none of them will be in the best actor category. And really, the only one who's making any waves, the only one who got nominated for Critics' Choice, the awards that, that I vote in, was, was Ruffalo. So, and that's deserved. Yeah. He's great he in was, Spotlight. He was great. Yeah. He, so, was, he was excellent, yeah. It'll be, I, it'll, I was just trying to think, like, who, who else is in the, the sort of running for best actor category for 2015? I'm trying to think of the big sort well, of standout performances this year. And I, Eddie Redmayne. Maybe I haven't seen enough. Eddie Redmayne. Danish Girl. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. He's going to get a nomination for that performance. Um, you know, Will Smith is being talked about. Of course, you've always got... What about, like, Matt from The Martian? And Matt Damon is a guaranteed uh, nomination for sure. Um, so there there are those performances, but again, I, it's just... I think the groundswell is it's Leo's time, and I think uh, unless there's a backlash to I, that... I think, I think that plays a lot into it. I mean, Leo. at least we forget Leo. the Academy as a group of actual... <laughs> of men... Um, and mostly men and some women. And I think they, they remember the history. And I think as strong as, and I, again, I haven't seen The Danish Girl, but as strong as Eddie's performance would have been in The Danish Girl, um, he just won last year. And I feel like people are like, all right, let's give Leo a shot. He's sort of paid his dues more than most people. He's been nominated for Best Actor five times. I think he's sort of overdue for this, especially with such a great performance. Every year prior, there's always kind of been somebody better. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case this year, especially when his closest competition just won an award 12 months ago. So I think that I think history will play into the factor as well. Uh, yeah, Not I just think, this particular. I think the only possible. I think Damon is the only one that could you know snatch it from him, and I just don't see that happening because um, Damon is no, really Damon, well liked. Damon liked. was great in The Martian, but I think that movie succeeded on a, on a much different level for much different reasons. Yeah. Whereas there there are entire sections of The Revenant where. If, if Leo's performance feels inauthentic, the movie fails completely. Um, and, like, he's out there by himself uh, in the wilderness in many scenes carrying, um, you know, entire passages of the movie with without any dialogue, just, like, sort of this anguished glance and determination of, like, I need to survive. And you can see all of it just from his, like, facial performance. And he's laid up for, like, a good half an hour of the movie. He's, like, half, uh, I don't want to say crippled, but... He's, he's laid up. He's in a stretcher, and he can't really move. And yet he's still emoting one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. Yeah. it's Just from his neck up. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Usually, usually that means like a, like a brainy-type movie is a movie that's from the neck up. But in this case, literally, he's acting from the neck up. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally. I, I think we can move on to if there was anything that, that you didn't like about the movie that, that we thought was uh, you know kind of holding it back. At all. Did you have any negatives uh, as you came through this experience? Uh, uh, I want to say, like, short answer, no. Like, there was, this movie was close to flawless. But it wasn't, again, my favorite movie of the year. So clearly there's something holding it back from that pole position. Um, I would say maybe just as a, and this feels kind of like a cop-out, but maybe it was a touch too long in the middle. I feel like at two hours and 40-something minutes, there's a couple sequences in the middle that could have been trimmed. 
that they, they don't really forward the plot. It's just more of like, look what else he has to suffer through. Exactly. Here's another thing that really... And there's a sequence where he has to go down a river after escaping, uh, I don't want to say what. And th- that was a sequence, again, like really exciting, but it's like, did we need another instance of him like running for his life and, and getting himself in like an impossible situation only to crawl back out of it literally and figuratively? And maybe there was a bit of repetition in the middle, but only a little bit. Like I could have maybe trimmed 10 or 15 minutes from this, not much more. Yeah, you touched and on that. had it been two hours and... You touch on the same thing that, that I was thinking, which uh, I wouldn't have put it as that it was too long or it needed trimmed because it didn't feel like it always kept my attention. Uh, for right. me, it was right. more. Right, it didn't feel long. No, no, no. For me, it was more that that these scenes that we continue to hit with Leo, so many of them feel like, okay, you, you're, you are including this just for another excuse to be intense or graphic or you know or oh my goodness you know it's like it's a little bit cloying in the same way that sometimes emotion can be cloying intensity and action can be cloying in the same way sometimes where it's like okay we get it we don't necessarily need it this many times if that makes sense yeah no i agree i think that's probably what i was trying to say and uh in in a more inarticulate way (laughs) (laughs) today do you have any questions like as you think about you know this movie uh, is it changing your mind at all like you kind of want to see it or i think i think i'm recognizing that i'm missing out on an experience but i still don't know that i want to go into that experience Mm -hmm. you know um i would love to see leo win a, a, a nomination or award for for his work because i i like leo a lot i think he's a fantastic actor and Mm -hmm. i've enjoyed watching him he's like i think he's actually like my age is he i don't know i thought he was my age i want to say i want to say he's like 36 yeah there you go so he's like no he must no he must be older than that really must be older than i thought he was i I just turned 40 and so i I thought he was right around my age yeah okay okay so maybe he's not yeah i'll write him over him then leo and leo and i you know we're we're compatriots (laughs) so you're over him. I'm over nice. him. <laughs> Sorry, Leo. I thought I liked you for a minute, but... Eddie Redmayne's probably closer to your age. You can root for him if you want. You know, the first time I really uh, was impressed with Leo was when I saw him in um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. And I... I just said Gilbert Grape was like his breakout performance. Was it? Because I really... I was really impressed with him and how he kind of went out. And I've, I've been impressed with, you know, everything that I've sort of seen him in. So I feel like I'm missing out on. Well, I guess I guess his breakout was probably the growing pains, but that was just like his big feature. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did a great job. Depends if you watch the growing pains, you know. So I. I don't yeah. Know. No, he did absolutely. He's he's been he's been consistent and he's been talented for for 25 years now. Like, like I, no I appreciate that. him and I appreciate his work, and then I'm missing out on like this incredible performance that's potentially going to win him, you know, the big the big award. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think I'm going to go see it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just going to be like, yeah, I experienced it through the telling of my friends, and that's okay with me. <laughs> well, you know, since um, since Growing Pains, it's just been this battle between Leo and Kirk Cameron about who's going to have the better career, yeah. and you know, it's just it's yeah. neck yeah. and neck the whole it's neck way. And neck the whole How'd that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more thing before we move on. Maybe one more thing about the movie or something around the movie that you wanted to mention uh, before before we kind of head into anything else. Um, John, do you have anything? Um, I can go and you can kind of think I'm, if you I'm want sure. here for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you, you start. You start. Uh, my one more thing is Donald Gleason is in this movie and plays one of the yeah. uh, the higher-ups in the army, I think, which is with these fur traders somehow. I'm not sure of the relationship or, or really what his role is. But yeah. I mention it because what is up with him being in awards-contending movies this year? 
He's in The Revenant. He has had a he's a banner year. It's incredible. He's he also in Brooklyn, well. which is a wonderful movie in my top five of the year. I love, love Brooklyn. Love, uh, and, I love that as well. And then, of course, Ex Machina. And Ex Machina, as well as Star Wars. <laughs> he's in The Force Awakens. And, and Star Wars. I always uh, – way to bury the lead. Yeah, he's also in Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, um, wow. So, I mean, Brooklyn Brook, – I loved Brooklyn, but it didn't quite make my top 10. Um, but it would probably make my top 20, which means he was in four of my top 20 films of 2015. Yeah. Which it's, is very, very impressive. He was, And I'm reminded of – I don't know that all those films are going to get nominated for Oscars or Best Pictures. I think The Revenant and Ex Machina probably might. Star Wars is a long shot. Uh, and Brooklyn may or may not. I don't know. We'll see if the Academy has enough room for another period drama. Um, but I'm reminded of um, John C. Riley in 2003 – who was in three out of five Best Picture nominees that year. He was in 60% of all the movies up for that award. Uh, I think it was Chicago, The Hours, and I'm forgetting the third. Um, but like, I remind, like, Donald Gleason has had a really great year. He's been sort of a supporting character in most of these productions. And then uh, in Ex Machina, he's sort of the lead. But like, he picked, he had a good agent this year. He picked a lot of winning movies you mentioned and, um, you mentioned I ended, I, I ended up watching almost all of them in December so I was like him again well four <laughs> it's like f- four nights in a row I watched a movie with him in it it was it wasn't too bad I loved that uh, he and Oscar Isaac were both in Star Wars and Ex Machina I thought that was kind of fun yeah. and uh, and then I also thought or I wanted to mention you mentioned you know four of your top 20 or whatever he is in three of my top five movies of the year the Revenant Brooklyn yeah. and Star yeah. Wars are I in mean, my top five and it's just like that's yeah. that's kind of mind blowing. So that was my one more thing. Did you figure something else out that you uh, wanted to mention, John? Before I move on, uh, I actually I think I was I was thinking of mentioning that actually that because I wanted to mention the thing about how he was in so many of the movies this year, but he already beat me to it. Um, other than just the uh, cinematography and the intensity and the performances, like I I was blown away from the Revenant top to bottom. I can't wait to see it again on like Blu-ray or w- watch it in my home with with a sort of a nice glass of tea or something and like sort of try to calm myself because it's it's it is a very like intense experience you almost need to be able to well like all right let me let me just watch it one one chapter at a time i am excited uh i am excited to actually see it in a theater uh now that it's out because i've only seen the screener at home so i've only had the at home experience i've seen it three times now but it's it is in more of that relaxed environment i'm excited to see this visual you know intense masterpiece actually on the big screen That'll be fun. Right. I like how in the chat, um, my beloved friends are like, Danae, here we go with the lists. Are you awake? <laughs> no. And nodded off to sleep there for just a second, but I'm okay. Thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> we, we love our lists. I know. <laughs> Such dorks. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on, Danae, uh, thank somebody for us, somebody who supports this show and makes it possible. We wanted to highlight Ruth today uh, for her monthly gift to us on Patreon.com. This is how this show is sustainable and this podcast network has been launched is through the support of our fans. So if you love what you're hearing on Sift Pop or any of the other podcasts that come out of the Shoot the Dough podcast network, including the podcast Shoot the Dough itself, and also our new podcast, New Music Digest, you can support us at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae, just like Ruth does. Ruth just gives a monthly amount, whatever she can do. I think she's giving it $20 a month, I believe, if I remember correctly. But it doesn't matter. If you can give a dollar a month, that is super, super helpful. We have some fun goals in the future, including some swag, so that you can get uh, some mugs or... I don't know, keychains, potentially a pencil. (laughs) 
<laughs> sky is the limit with swag for the Shoot the Dough Podcast Network. We have some other fun goals too. So thank you guys so much for your support and specifically Ruth, thank you so much. And uh, if you are listening in the podcast feed and you want to join us live, uh, you can always do that. We love our live chatters. Uh, somebody just mentioning Kirk Cameron did actually save Christmas, which might put him above Leo. <laughs> it at least puts him on the level of Ernest, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> so that worked really well. All right, moving on to our favorites of 2015, those pop culture moments during the year uh, that stood out to us as, you know, kind of defining the year or the best of the year. We'll try not to make it too list-like for you, Danae, so that you can I have made a, good a time. list. You did? What did you do? Guys, I I went through all of our podcasts. I went to our podcast feed Uh and I was like, okay, what did we see? And I just, I made quick note of the ones that I was like, oh yeah, or ooh, that was bad. So that's what I did. (laughs) Well, we weren't going to talk too much about the bad stuff, but I am curious. But it was impactful. Sure. What did you make note of that was like, oh, that was bad? Chappie. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. That was a surprising, like horrible movie (laughs) that I saw. Uh, another one. The more that, I think about it, the more I agree. But when I initially saw Chappie, I kind of liked it. But yeah. yeah, with reflection, it's like that was kind of kind it, of a weird. But that was the thing, off right? balance. Man, Hugh Jackman movie. is weird I, in that I, movie. <laughs> he is so weird in that movie. It's so He's very weird. weird. It's 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 very strange. So that one that one made my yeah, list. <laughs> <laughs> the worst movie I see, see. I see everything. So worst is kind of difficult for me, but. Uh, but man, the Paul Blart movies just continue <laughs> to annoy me. I just <laughs> like I, they're just not on my. They, it's just not my thing. And I know it can be. I, like I hold no judgment for somebody who thinks that that's funny. Ugh. But I just roll my eyes, and it's yeah. just it's hard for me to sit through. You should. You should. <laughs> I called this the year should, of the spy movie. You should movie. hold that judgment. Yeah, the that's year a of good, the spy movie because we yeah, saw was so many. Yeah. And almost like back to back. We had we had Spectre, Man from Uncle, and Spy, and Mission Impossible. Uh, is that the list? Is mm-hmm. it just Mission, Mission Impossible? Impossible. Right, so there was at least four or five. But they all seem to be like uh, brrr, like in quick succession of each mm-hmm. other. Yeah, I remember the podcast for like four weeks in a row was a spy movie. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. It was helicopter one. upon helicopter upon right. helicopter. Well, let's let's since we're in the movies, John, why don't you tell us what's your uh, favorite movie of the year? Or a couple of your favorites. What do you got? Uh, my favorite was The Martian. Nice. I loved that film. And I think it, I don't know if it's a, it's an unpopular opinion. I think everyone really liked it, but I don't know if many people are picking it as their favorite. And I think for a big reason, I'm a, I'm a huge space nerd. And my last, the last three years in a row now, Gravity, Interstellar, and The Martian have all been these big, mm-hmm. big budget space dramas. And I think there was something really fun about that movie. It was funny. It was heartwarming. There was drama. There was comedy. There was like thrills and action and like really smart writing and good science fiction. And it wasn't. So unbelievable and over the top, it was sort of like within the realm of tomorrow. Like this is something that scientists and astronauts could be doing within my lifetime. And I really like those sort of what-if narratives. Uh, and I, I've top to bottom, it was such a fun experience that I enjoyed. Whereas The Revenant was sort of an experience that took advantage of me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way uh, to say it. That's a good way to say so, it. So yeah, I I I really love The Martian. It was uh, my favorite film of the year. I, I, th- I don't know if that opinion will change months and months from now, but right now that's uh, that's my vote. Oh, I'm w- I'm with you. It's my number four. I have it, uh, you know, on my list okay. at, at number four of the year. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, I saw it uh, over this past weekend again, uh, the, my second viewing, and it stood up, if not got better, which the best movies do. They you know they they seem to grow yes. on you each viewing and. Uh, Man, Matt Damon's good in that. And, and again, the thing I mentioned then and he the thing really I'll, is. I'll mention now is the sense of humor in that movie is so on point. 
I mean, it is just no, so. No, really, I think that's hilarious. one of the reasons I really liked it is that there is that brevity to lighten the otherwise. Like, it's a really serious and sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a bleak movie. Like he's mm-hmm. on an entire planet by himself, and like all all but certainly he's going to die there. But the movie keeps things light and it keeps things funny at all the appropriate moments. And I and I always commend a movie that's able to blend those elements uh, without seeming too, I don't know, pushy with it. Like they're able mm-hmm. to do it seamlessly. And I really loved that. Sometimes that happens too in like for me, I think about movies that made me laugh out loud was like Ant Man for me this year. Nice, yeah. I felt I don't I didn't expect to enjoy myself that much. And so that one's on my list of movies I enjoyed like enough this year to kind of mention them here. The Martian obviously. And then Star Wars had a couple moments where I was you know, laughing unexpectedly as well. And I like that. Sometimes the biggest laughs come from the non-comedies. Yeah. Yeah. The Martian was... You almost, you're you not expecting laughter, so when you finally do, it's it's all that much more effective and enjoyable. I also was agree. I also was really uh, watching the second time of The Martian, as a side note. I mentioned when it came out that they win the award for most creative ways to use the F word without actually using it. Uh, because that movie <laughs> is, and I'm watching it the second time. They there are twelve insinuated f bombs in that movie, two of which are heard, and it and it holds its PG-13. It was it was like it's a work of art how they worked <laughs> their way around it. It was like some of them are you know like you can't hear it, but you can see it being obviously mouthed. Others are you know cutaways. Uh, it's it's just it was really interesting to me, like why they man- made that choice. I think they wanted it to feel. You know, more uh, more adult and yet still get the PG thirteen or something. But it was just it was an interesting observation as I watched that. I will again. have to keep an eye out for that when I see it because I only saw it the once in the theaters and that was uh, half a year ago now. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I kind of remember a couple of those instances and it works. I guess if you're abandoned on an entire planet by yourself, <laughs> like you're going to be pretty pissed off about that. <laughs> I think and it might. I would I wouldn't be like oh I I need to hold my tongue I might upset the dirt like you no know, you're going to be. You're gonna be really, really cheesed off about that. And one of the funniest so I, I, again, he, I, one of the funniest. Matt parts, Damon really played that part well. One of the funniest parts of the movie is where they're like, "You stop! You're live to like you know the entire nation right now." And he's like, "Oh, am I?" And then it cuts away to everybody's faces, <laughs> and they're all like horrified at whatever he wrote, which we never find out. But it's just it's just one of the funniest no. moments of the movie. Um, today, what was your? I had to look that up because I was so curious. They actually in the book they mention it, and it is a swear. <laughs> Danae, what's your uh, favorite movie of the year? Oh, I, I just made a list. I didn't okay. rank them. So you kind of already went through like Ant-Man and Star Wars and, yeah, and those um, kind of things. There's, I, mean, I have my standout moments. I didn't really rank my favorite. That's cool. I'll go ahead and say mine, then it's it's not a surprise. Uh, I've been talking about it all year long. It is Inside Out. Uh, I I suspected. I have that was I my too. number three. I just haven't gotten over how not only fun and interesting and a great story that movie is, but how much it changes our perspective on emotion and the conversations I have with my children or others about emotion, like it is a movie that changes your worldview, um, you know, at its core in some ways. And that's that's hard to do. And to pull it off in a quote unquote kids movie or a family movie, man, just that's Pixar on a whole nother level. And they they already were on that level. But, you know, just I, it was phenomenal. So loved it in the chat. Totally agree. Someone says, oh, I lost Aaron. I, I lost the Aaron's top movie of 2015 pool. <laughs> Why did I think it was going to Why be road chip? <laughs> <laughs> so good try. Uh, good I, try. I don't think I, 
I was um, in between houses when you reviewed The Good Dinosaur, Aaron, so apologies that I missed it. But what did sure. you end up thinking about that one? Uh, I liked it. Just real quick. I, I really you liked okay. it. I, you know, I it's it's one of those, this is a great movie and an okay Pixar movie. You know, it's just, because yeah. you put Pixar yeah. on, on this different level, or, or I do, and I think a lot of people do. I think, I think coming off the heels of Inside Out, I, I left it like really disappointed. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the best they could come up with? Just like a, <laughs> a man and a dog reversal? Okay. It was really sweet, and I loved the animation, but it was so like, you. I mean, you guys have done so much better, and it was just three months ago when you did so much better. Yeah, it did but. create, if you, if you do want to go back and listen to the podcast, that movie created the biggest argument in Sift Pop history. Like, the, really? the most, wasn't that the movie where we argued about what it was about? Oh, and yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, the central theme of that I movie. That yes. Uh, it, yeah. It yeah. got vehement. We, like, we actually <laughs> continued our disagreement on the spoiler section where we continued. It was like the fight got out of the bar and into the street kind of <laughs> yeah. a thing. Yeah. Exactly. I will, we, we actually I will never, we never actually landed um, well, we just agree. We, well, we just to agreed disagree. to disagree. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty intense. <laughs> those are my those are my least favorite ways to end an argument. Agree to disagree. That's such a cop out. No, someone <laughs> needs to win. Well, nobody did. <laughs> just a lot of bruises. Yeah, that's, always, and that's when, whenever I'm on whenever floor. I'm in that situation, I always feel disappointed. That's like I'd rather quit and concede than let this be a tie. No, no, it's not a tie. <laughs> a tie a tie is like the least fulfilling conclusion to any contest. But that's just me. Uh, the other movie I didn't hear on anybody's uh, list or mentioned that I wanted to mention because it is the other movie in my top five that I haven't mentioned is The Avengers: Age of Ultron, which I thought was yes. phenomenal. Really, that was your top five? Yeah, that was number five. That was a fun movie. Me. It was just so much fun. Another yeah. another couple moments in there that made me laugh that are memorable. Specifically, mm-hmm. picking up Thor's hammer. That whole sequence will <laughs> stick with me yes. for a lifetime. That was yeah, so I loved good. It. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Um, an, a standout moments on my list that didn't like, but they're more like sif pop moments sure, instead sure. of movie moments. This year we did a review of a movie that we disagreed on liking, and we all went back and watched it as a community. That was Lady in the Water. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I had so much fun. We actually recorded the commentary, and you can see that on well, you can hear it on YouTube. Um, it's not something you want to watch slash listen to without the movie on yeah you turn on there's the movie long you... sections of silence as we're watching the movie right. it is meant to be watched as you're watching the that movie. was really really fun mm-hmm. that's if i've me. never seen if i've never seen lady in the water can i watch your commentary in the first viewing is that gonna ruin it um it, i would recommend watching it before the first viewing it seems like it would we would be distracting uh talking over parts that that you may want or to you hear have more us, uh ida she put us in earbuds so she had it running on youtube into her earbuds and then she was watching it and whenever she wanted us to shush she'd just take out one of her <laughs> earbuds so <laughs> you know, no, that whatever. works that works so that was fun and then the other thing that we started this year was danae finally sees yeah and i'm hoping that we continue that because that <laughs> that was a huge highlight for me because i finally joined the ranks of those who have seen the holy grail so yeah, that was fun. That is Monty fun. I thought in the Holy Grail. Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. I had never seen okay. it before. Just what last month? I think mm-hmm. is when did we watched like it. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I didn't like how it ended, and I have to say, <laughs> the ending is so trash. It was. It was <laughs> really such conf- a cop out. Yeah, it was so confusing to me. <laughs> a literal. But cop it's out. also what. <laughs> <laughs> it went when when it kind of yeah I think when I first saw it I was like wait that's it and I was really yeah. sort of annoyed but when you know that's coming it's so hilarious that like they just ran out of money and stopped production Is that what happened? Like, it's such I a, mean I don't know. Literally they ran out of money and just just quit production halfway through and it's like that's it let's go home. For real? <laughs> and Is when that you really when it? you understand that 
Oh. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. And what happened? They because they didn't have enough money to finish production or film that big fight scene at the end. They went back with a limited budget and they set up that sort of uh, that extra plot of the all police the officer in modern yeah. day. Yeah, all the interstitials of the cop sort of tracking them down, so that at the very end of the movie, when the cops show up, it's not out of left field. Oh. That was all done. Like months after regular production, they needed something to end the movie abruptly. And it's like, what if we just have a cop that comes in at the last minute? But we have to set him up first. And that's the story of why the movie just oh ends goodness. abruptly with them all that's getting amazing. arrested. I did not when you, when know you, that. When you kind of know that story, though, it's so funny. Okay, so now I like it. But before, I was like, there is no yeah. explanation for this. And maybe I should have done my own research. What I loved, too, is that I think it was Caleb who contacted us afterwards. And he was maybe in line at a grocery store or something. Mm. And the people in line behind him were talking about how they were disappointed with how the movie ended. And they were talking about this movie and so he's like you're not alone Danae you know other people are upset about the ending too I loved that it kind of continued on and since then I have with seen maybe four or five mentions in some form of social media whether it's on one of the forums that I browse or whatever there are constantly references to this movie that I have never picked up on I've never constant constant yes and so now I'm like I I I quote it probably every other week (laughs) It's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's the, for many people, uh, and, and certainly people of a certain age and a certain generation, uh, of which I will not include myself because I'm a bit young for a 1970s release. Um, I mean, it, it was like the bedrock of like a lot of people's comedic foundations. Yeah. I fought in your general direction. Like that is <laughs> one of the best go-to insults if you don't want to offend anybody, but you simultaneously want to offend somebody. What I noticed it's, is, is that I would fantastic. use the, I would use phrases from the movie because I'd heard people like I fart in your general direction. I've said that before, but had no idea where it came from. So then all of a sudden I'm figuring it all out. So anyways, that's on my list of things from this those last good year because I'm glad you brought those they're up. kind of fun, you know, times. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Um, all right. Do we want to move um, on to so, TV or did you have anything else I, in the movies? Uh, real quick, kind of in, in the same vein, if we're not talking about 2015 releases, but sort of stuff we did in 2015. Um, I, I began a project um, a year or so ago of finally seeing every movie in the American Film Institute's top 100 American films of all time. Whoa. And I was I was sort of embarrassed to to admit that when I began, I think October of 2014, I had only seen like 30 out of 100 and there were a lot of classics on here that like I had not seen and I needed to rectify. And I made a a, a habit of it a couple months in 2015 to just watch nothing but classic releases and I had such a good time watching uh, movies like Breakfast at Tiffany's and Ben Hur, and uh, I'm trying to think of other movies I watched. <laughs> uh, the I one for me was um, oh, and now it just slipped my mind. The, the Lawrence of Arabia. That was the one when I w- watched through that list that really stood out to me uh, as man. I can't believe I haven't seen this yet, and how incredible is this? I, and that's another one I haven't seen. I watched the original Robin Hood. Uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai, Bringing Up Baby, Raging Bull, To Kill a Mockingbird, all of these movies for the first time. Yeah. And it was such a trip to like, wow, this is this is how they used to do movies. Mm-hmm. And I had watched you know plenty of classics over the years, but I had clearly missed some of the tentpole releases and the big, big moments of old Hollywood. Like I saw Singing in the Rain, for, I think, for the first time ever uh, this past summer. And that was like, wow, what, what have I been missing? That Why is have in, I never seen a Gene Kelly movie? That is in my, uh, top five movies of all time singing in the rain. Just an incredible. Yeah, film. I mean, it's classic. And I had somehow had missed it until 
just last year. So that was that was something I went out of my way. I'm like, I'm going to deliberately, when I'm not watching anything new, I'm going to try to seek out one of these older films. And I, if anyone is looking for something to watch on a Saturday night, like consider one of the 70-year-old classics because they still entertain. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's betting going on in the uh, the chat right now on how many of the 100 movies that Danae has actually seen in the AFI is top 100. Has she actually Ooh. seen 100 movies? <laughs> that that is a good question. Have you seen 100 movies yeah. total? <laughs> I maybe, I don't After know. After this year you probably have. Yeah, this year changed everything for me, you know, just deciding that we were going to go ahead and launch Sift Pop and kind of jump into pop culture and me I've never this year I was in the theater maybe more times than I have been my entire life combined before that. Yeah. Like this year I went to the movie theater more than maybe I have ever been. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure that that's the case. And uh, and probably only in what, like a quarter of those. Did I look at you afterwards, Aaron, and say, this is all your fault. And I'm upset with <laughs> yes, you right now. I only got I blamed think, for yeah, about I think a quarter <laughs> of them. Uh, let's move into TV briefly. We, uh, you know, we're kind of running short on time, but I just figured we could even just mention, you know, one of our favorite TV shows of the year, uh, just to kind of give highlight to the TV that we're watching and that we love. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start this one. Um, I think Last Man on Earth is the funniest show on TV, and if you're not watching it, it's a quick and easy catch-up with season one and season two. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's fun. And I've seen actually a little bit of uh, backlash against kind of where the story has progressed. I couldn't disagree more. I think I, I, I love the characters in the show. I love what's happened. So I'm, you know... I'm still really liking it. So that's the one I would bring to the table. That's actually mine too uh, for TV is I really enjoy that show. It's quirky and different and the main character is someone that you love to hate and then you're on on board with them and then you don't like them again and you're like, you know what? This is just how fun. (laughs) This would be an interesting way to live. If there was nobody on the planet, yes, I would also drive my truck just straight through the door of of the grocery store, you know, and there's just all these kind of fun things. So that's actually my top uh, TV show, show as well. What about you, John? Um, I will actually remember watching The Last Man on Earth uh, to prepare for this podcast way back when, but I unfortunately have not had a chance to sort of finish up after the first few episodes. But I would say just a TV, the two big things I really liked from last year were uh, Daredevil on Netflix. I thought that was a really good sort of uh, serialized comic book drama that was in the Marvel Universe but without being unrealistic and over-the-top and superhero. It was like a very sort of gritty detective crime action thriller and Mm -hmm. I loved that I loved the approach can't wait for it to come back in March and then the other show that really impressed me this year which just actually came back uh, after its uh, winter hiatus last night is The Blacklist on NBC which the first two seasons I was sort of whatever I was watching it because I really liked James Spader but it wasn't a good show it was sort of an above average procedural Um, but in season three like they turned the corner they figured out the formula and they brought it into a really sort of overarching uh, serialized theme about conspiracy and government and being on the run. And like the show got so much better for it. And now it's one of the things I look forward to every Thursday night. And it's quickly becoming one of my favorite shows on network TV. I think it's hard to find good network television these days. It's easy to go to HBO or, or you know, Showtime or Netflix. But like, you know, the broadcast channels, they mostly churn out like dime a dozen sort of middle America, I don't know, like fast food style entertainment and i've really liked the blacklist so far this season i'm glad you i'm glad you say that because the blacklist the like you i watched the first couple seasons because i love james spader and uh and i have yet to dig into season three i have them all you know saved and ready to watch like Uh, it got it got so like i would rate the first two seasons like maybe a six and a seven this one's like a nine or a ten that's great so much stronger now i'm excited to dig into that i love it it's it's 
The characters are defined. They don't feel like they're just floating in and out of scenes. They have backstories, whereas originally I'm like, does this guy work here or is he an extra? Like, I didn't actually know who the cast was. They didn't really define, like, the players in the way that, like, an NCIS makes it like, these five people are very clearly the people we're supposed to root for. Whereas an early blacklist, it's like, I guess James Spader's the good guy? <laughs> so they've they've done a much better job and they've, they've cleaned up the the writing and oh that's cool uh the other show i would mention um and i i can't tell if it's if you know phenomenal show i think it's a phenomenal show excuse me but it's so different than every other drama i see on tv and i just love the sensibility of is fargo the second season of fargo blew my mind i i was i've heard really really good things about this and my wife and i want to start because we just saw or my wife just saw fargo for the first time a couple months ago and she loved it and we're like we need to watch the show now yeah the first season is great i loved the first season of fargo but this second it's an anthology series so every season is completely different new characters new story uh and this second season was some of the best character work i've ever seen some of the the most interesting humor and the, you know the movie had that too it's coen brothers right they've got this really quirky dark yes. sense of humor and the show does such a great job at capturing that i also love the premise that just like the movie they start off saying this is a true story only the names have been changed everything else has been kept exactly the same when that's a complete falsehood none I, of, none of it loved, is at I, all true <laughs> i think i it's love amazing. that about the film i think that was one of those things that you're either really upset about or or you love and it's sort of similar to what Danae and I were just mentioning about the, the Holy Grail. It's like it's it's a total like cheat on the audience. But if you're in on it and you're aware that you're being cheated, it's like actually that's really clever. It's so genius because it yeah. sets you up. It sets you up. It sets you up for something, and then like completely destroys your expectations because you you don't expect Steve Buscemi to end up face first in a wood chipper. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm really enjoying Fargo. So I just mentioned that one as well. All right. We are coming down to it. It is time for the buried treasure. What is that one thing as you sift through pop culture? Do you want to make sure that people don't miss Danae? We're going to start with you. I'm actually going to do something a little different. I'm going to rehash one that I've already done because I was kind of doing like the recap of 2015 mm-hmm. and I wanted to re-mention, um, an app that I continue to get feedback on from that episode. I have now uh, successfully hooked, I think, five people that have come back to me and been like, I can't believe that I am addicted to this game, but I love it. And it's Honeycomb Hotel. So many of my friends have really enjoyed it after I suggested it. It is a puzzle game. It is a game where you are using the process of elimination. It's a logic game. And logical clues Mm -hmm. to solve uh, the puzzle in front of you. Each cell that you see has um, one clue that it is it's either h-o-n-e or y or it's a different animal or whatever and you'll see you'll understand why when you look at the actual game itself and there is a road going into the cell and an out of the cell and it's just a game where you have to connect all the pieces together they all have a different you know shape that they are identified with and it's really complex in some ways and really simple in others but the fun thing is there's a free version you can kind of get your hands on it they have a small medium and large puzzle so the large puzzles are more difficult you'll kind of work your way into those larger puzzles it does come with hints in the game, so you don't have to have somebody sitting beside you to teach it to you. But I taught it to Aaron, and he and I quickly 
like immediately started to challenge each other. So we actually race yeah, on the game. Yeah, we have speed competitions. Speed competitions, and, and nice. we have rules that we've made up and kind of fun things we like that. We may or may not have recorded each of us playing a level and then put them side by side to watch. <laughs> that is actually we, true. We, that may or may not have happened. <laughs> I we mean, will not confirm yeah, or yeah. deny. I mean, I can't say <laughs> yes or no on that one. So anyhow, it's a really, really great game. It's fun because you can just play, uh, play it, you know, casually or whatever you want to do. If you have a stylus, it's easier. I will say that. But they have made it to where the mobile, you know, version, you, it amplifies and, and magnifies each little section of the game as you work yeah, your way through different, it. It's different than most mobile games in that there is a barrier to entry. You actually, there is some learning to do yeah. as you get into it to learn the logic process. It's not a click and play. It isn't. It's not like, you the, have one to another learn. one that you, you mentioned that I'm addicted to is loops. Loops. And that's click, click and play. play. You just, you know exactly what you're doing. You just yep. use your thumb and click and play like you know candy crush or something like that but this is a little different it, you, it's a total logic game i yeah. love logic games yeah. so i decided to just rehash that one and bring it back to the surface and as always remind you guys that if you want to fill out quick surveys on your phone for push notifications on your phone through google reward you can actually get paid in google money and then you can buy apps so if you That's wanted how we buy to our get apps, yeah. if you wanted to get the uh, full version of honeycomb hotel because you love it it does cost i think like a dollar 99 mm-hmm. i think and you get like tons and tons and tons of levels you can which you can make in google rewards in like 3 yeah, weeks yeah super quick so yeah. very cool um I'll go next. I'll save you for for uh, to finish off with John. Uh, I have just started using a, an app called Texture, and this is basically Netflix for magazines. You pay a monthly rate, oh. a low monthly rate, and you have uh, availability to the digital versions of pretty much every mainstream magazine there is. Do you use your Google Rewards money for the monthly subscription? No, the monthly subscription is outside of the Google oh, okay, Play okay. Store. You know, it's, the it's Play Store different. money. Right, okay. right. So, um, so yeah, so I, I started using, I'm, I'm doing a 30-day free trial, uh, and so I haven't paid anything for it yet. I believe it's $10 a month if you want access to all the monthly magazines. If you also want access to weekly magazines like Sports Illustrated, uh, those kind of things, um, then it's $15 a month. Um, and, and, and I've been loving it because I'll get a notification when, Hey, there's a new issue of Hollywood reporter that's out. And I'm like, I'll just kind of, you know, screen through it and see if there are any interesting articles, new issue of ESPN, the magazine is out. Oh, that's cool. I wonder what's going on. And I used to get entertainment weekly, uh, for maybe five or six years back in the day. And I've, and I didn't realize how much I missed that. Um, what's a good word for it? You know, the, the way they, you know, put together stories and in those kind of things, uh, and yet having access to it again now, I'm just like, oh, this is really nice. I am considering subscribing once my free trial is up. That's how much I've enjoyed it. Plus, for what we do with you know having a show and having a radio show, it's great to have all that show prep, quote unquote, you know, at my fingertips as lots well. Lots of topics to talk yeah, about. Yeah, lots of topics to talk about. Lots of stories to dig into. So uh, it's called Texture. T e x t u r e, and uh, I'd highly Highly recommend you check it out there. Do a free trial, so you can do it that way. John, what about you? I am bookmarking it now. On on the subject of mobile apps, I have to just again chastise you, Aaron, for getting me hooked on Adventure Capitalist, which I am still playing. <laughs> Are you still playing? <laughs> me it? too. Oh. I I completed the moon and I completed Mars and I've done all the holiday events, the Christmas mm-hmm. one, and the yep, me Halloween. Too. Um, and I'm doing. I finished. The only thing I have left is Earth, but I I looked it up online. Apparently. It's basically you can't finish it. Like there is no end. <laughs> like it gets exponentially harder to the point where you have to wait years and years before you can unlock everything. But know, I'm going to wait. 
I feel I'm going like, to do it. I feel like I'm getting close on Earth. Like I feel like I've just got a few more, a uh, few more Maybe. things to do. Who knows? We'll yeah, see. Th- those those few more things take like nine months each. <laughs> um, Could be. I loved it, and be- and because because you recommended that app to me when I was between houses, it was at a time in my life when I had so much free time and I was just looking for something to occupy it. So I downloaded that and got immediately hooked. And then I also, from that, branched off and found a bunch of other games. And I've been really into Boom Beach the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, Boom Beach um, by which Supercell. Is, which is a very fun game. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great game. And it is, um, it's like a real-time, actually no, kind of a, a turn-based strategy game. You build your own bases on islands, go out and collect resources and fight other humans. And I love it. It's one of those things I can log in, play for 10 minutes a day, feel like I'm making some progress, level up my buildings, and come back to. I love that game. But the thing I actually wanted to mention um, is a movie, a hidden gem that I don't think, or buried treasure perhaps, more apt, uh, that not enough people saw from last year. It's called The Final Girls. It is a horror comedy in the style of Last Action Hero, where a group of teenagers get sucked into an old classic slasher film a la Friday the 13th. And because they're self-aware that they're in a movie, they sort of use that knowledge and help the people in the film who are just these ditzy blondes that are going to get naked and killed. And they try to help them survive from this like hockey mask wearing killer. And it is so smart. It's like really, really gorgeously filmed. And it was one of those straight to video releases not enough people heard about, but (laughs) one of my biggest surprises of the year, uh, The Final Girls, I would totally recommend it. And it's only like 85 minutes long. Um, and there's a, a good cast too. There's a lot of familiar faces in it. Um, Malin Ackerman is sort of the the big lead, and Vera Famiga's younger sister, whose name escapes me, is in it. And that guy who played Bumper in Pitch Perfect, uh, he's in it as well. <laughs> who Adam Devine? That's him. Who is uh, who's so, yeah, also in Modern good, Family, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He's he's been in a lot of stuff lately. He's kind of I didn't know who he was a few years ago, and I still I guess had to look up his name. But he's familiar. You'll recognize a lot of people in this. In the movie again, great it's called- film though. The Final Girls. The Final Girls. Very cool. Very Which cool. is in reference to um, slasher movies can only end when there's only one girl left. Ah, got it. Well, that's it. I went to the AFI and I added up my total for how many movies yeah. I've seen. Do you guys have any guesses? Uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess twelve. The BDG guessed thirteen in the chat. He is correct. Oh, I was so wow. close. I've seen 13, guys. 13%. 13%. Uh, Singing in the Rain, oh. Wizard of Oz, It's a Wonderful Life, Lord of the Rings, West Side Story, Jaws, Rocky, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, Easy Rider, The Sixth Sense, and Pulp Fiction. Easy Rider surprises me. Easy Rider was weird, guys. <laughs> People were mean to motorcyclists back in the day. That was awful. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Also find out more about Aaron and Danae at AaronandDanae.com. Huge thanks to today's guru. That's John from Jog Wheel, or just John, as he likes to be called. John, what are you plugging these days? What do you want people to know about? Uh, I don't know my YouTube channel. I guess. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I don't really do anything else. I just, I just do movie. Uh, this week on movie night, I'm doing a big episode on Quentin Tarantino films. We're basically review. He's done eight films. I'm reviewing seven of them. It's going to be a big, big project for me this weekend. So. Very cool. Jogwheel.com if you want to watch that on probably Monday. 
Very nice. Much love and gratitude also to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support does start at a dollar a month and does come with some fun perks. Uh, find out more at patreon.com slash Aaron and today. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure and let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com.